0: Welcome to The Self Starter Show. I'm your host, Steve Clare, and on this show, you're gonna be hearing from entrepreneurs. You're gonna hear about their wins that got them where they are, their losses and everything in between, as well as the advice that they have that helped them along the way. Along with bonus solo episodes of my personal secrets of life, success, and empathy sprinkled in for you, the listener. Like chapters of a great book, each episode will provide you with a bit of a cheat code To success and happiness. Today is the juggernaut of real estate television. He used his fame to become the world's most famous real estate broker and has parlayed that into his empire. At just two years old his brokerage is the sixth highest grossing brokerage in all of New York City and has now expanded into how many markets? Uh, Six yesterday. Six yesterday, so is now in half a dozen more markets and growing. Uh, All that while becoming, in the words of Gary Vee, the go-to sales coach for any business. Without further ado, Ryan Sarhan. Thanks, man. What a a stellar intro. Was that good? Yeah, it was good. Well, I was going to do that or go with ChatGPT, which... uh, might've given a little bit more info. I wonder info. what my chat GPT bio is. It's like, it's crazy, man.
1: I got, this whole AI thing is is the most insane thing ever. It's wild. Yeah. What's nuts is like, we only just found out about it this year, like a couple months ago. And now it's everywhere. Yeah. Like how
0: things just sort of like catch on fire. I feel like I heard about it back in the fall. And when I heard about it, it was from a buddy of mine who owns a metaverse marketing agency. Okay. So I thought it was something where you needed to be a part of like this click. Oh yeah. yeah. He like mentioned something about a legal document, make doing it through ChatGPT, and because ChatGPT doesn't sound like something inviting wow. that we know how to use, I thought you needed like an NFT to it be able to. Like use it wasn't like AI.com kind no, of thing. No, I yeah. had no idea.
1: Yeah. No, but it's kind of like you mentioned NFTs. It's like even when. You know what was it in 2021 right i didn't I had no idea what nft was next thing you know one person mentions it and then everyone has them from you know creators to athletes to major brands and they just catch like fire right and then it becomes a massive trend and you kind of see what happens from and
0: there. everybody was trying to create like an nft program and i was trying to myself look at like all right if i were to treat if i were to create a real estate nft program what would it look like and i took so out a pen and paper and I wrote this was probably a little over a year ago, wrote down the whole business model and it just looked like an EBT model. Why wouldn't I just do a monthly billing versus buying an NFT? And that's when I was like, all right, the NFT thing's not good for the real estate business. Yeah, I was at a, uh, a V friends
1: breakfast this morning with with Gary. Um, and it's 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 interesting, though, like it's yes, there's some investment value to to the NFTs and that market spiked and then has since come down and we'll see what happens in Is the future. Is the
0: VFriends program still like yeah, he still full does, steam ahead?
1: He's, he still does all of his commitments that were attached to every NFT that he agreed to and breakfast and the dinners and the VCon every year and all Got that it. stuff. So he's still, there's still very much a, a major um, uh, community element to it, right? Which we can relate to in this business. Mm-hmm like the brokerage industry is community-based, our clients, right? It's a lot of times you have the same types of clients all in the same community and they refer friends to each other and people want to work with similar people. It's funny, like at the breakfast I was at this morning, a lot of those people knew each other already. So one was probably like, dude, Gary's got an NFT, you should buy. Okay, I'll buy if you buy. Okay, what if the four of us all buy and then we could all go have breakfast with him in New York City? The breakfast was all people who have purchased the NFTs. One, yeah, one type of NFT, I think it was like, like the, the PD Pirate or Breakfast Burrito or Tuna Taco or if there's, <laughs> Right, but if there's
0: anybody that needs to keep face yeah. with the NFT community, yeah. it's Garrett. Yes. With the amount of content that he puts out about it. Yeah. Yeah,
1: very much so. I
0: just noticed your hat.
1: Look at that. You like that? That is cool. That was fast.
0: Yeah. Nice. Ordered these uh, right when I made the decision. Awesome. The one with the all black. Love it. Love it, right? Yeah, it's super cool. I'll get you one. Okay, great, thanks. You got it. <laughs> All right, so I like to go back to the format of the show because like, we really want to know about Ryan Serhant, yeah. who he is, how'd you get here? But first, tell me what you're doing now. Like, I know you're doing a lot, but how, do, how would you compartmentalize it? Eh, elevator pitch, what are you doing right now?
1: Uh, right now, we are, I would say, Really building out like the long-term vision for the business, right? So the business like being being Surhant the brokerage, right? Serhan brokerage, Surhant education, and Surhant studios are our three businesses, right? We have real estate brokerage, we have uh, sales training, and then we have uh, real estate media. Like, and does the sales training
0: businesses. fall into ventures? Yeah.
1: Okay. Yep. And so uh, yeah, the ventures is, is kind of what we call the group, and so you know when we started the business, I mean, I, I if I go back even further, like 2008 to 2020, I, it was 12 years, I was, I was a real estate broker. I ran a team. I did other things, right? did a TV show, I wrote you know, a book, we had our podcast, I did some social stuff, we did some brand deals, you know, started speaking tours, did a little bit of the sales training, a little bit of the media, but that was like my predominant life was running around and showing houses all day long, going to pitches, and then building up a sales team. And then I blew all that up in 2020, which was always the plan. It just COVID wasn't the plan, right. so it stalled. It, it delayed me for a few months, um, for for the for the best, though. You know, looking back on
0: it. So, how long did you, would you say you were planning the exit? Uh, I was planning my
1: exit for a couple years. It took me it took me a long time, um, and then I was
0: aggressively exiting for. Uh, Six, seven, eight, eight months. Kind of like, I'm doing this, but no, we'll give you this to stay.
1: Kind Well, um, it was not a pleasant situation. Um, It was more of a, hey, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Let's figure this out. And that took a long time. Cause we had, you know, we had a significant amount of new development business. We had a lot of towers. We had a lot of towers signed that were, you know, we coming. We had, a, we had a, I mean, I had 65 people on the team that had deals in motion. Like right, most... and these
0: people are signing up for Ryan. They're not signing up for nest seekers.
1: Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I guess, you know, listen, there's two sides to every, every story, but uh, you know, what I knew was that when I was pitching and agents were coming over, they very much wanted me. So they were joining sure. my team, yep. you know, and then we had our systems. And when developers were hiring me, like they were, they were hiring me and I had to be there. Like that was the work. And so um, in 2020, I blew all that up and we started the company. And you know, my, my long-term vision when we started the company was like 12 months out. It's like survive, build, make it awesome, survive. Okay, we survived, great. Now 2021, all right, let's, let's figure out what this feels like as we kind of start to scale. Okay, that worked. Now 2022, all right, what, is, what, what do we need to put together so that we can really run with this? You know and where do you think we could go like should we be in that state or this state should we go international should we not you know let's 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 focus on growth and my roles are always very much brand and expand like that's what i do i think we talked about that a little bit right like brand and expand all day long and so 2023 for me like on cue we knew the market was going to start correcting and we knew that would be the perfect time to start growing while every other brokerage firm starts to pull back and is going to have cost cuts and you know, um, uh, people are gonna be nervous about the marketplace. That's a great moment for us to say, zoop, and just start moving really quickly because we can do it pretty efficiently.
0: And at what point from 2020 to 2023 are you bringing on a CFO and kind of like- Oh, she was first. Dude, she was right. she was hire number one before the company even existed. There you go. Because uh, really looking at the nitty gritty and how much everything is gonna cost yeah. and doing a 12 month plan, even you told me you look 24 months out. Yeah. That's probably the most vital position. Yes. So the, definitely the first
1: thing we did, um, was we hired our CFO, which COVID actually helped us with like, you know, when COVID hit every company let go of everyone and or furloughed people. They let people out of non-competes. They let people out of non-solicits. As long as like, you're not gonna, I don't have to pay you anymore. Oh my God, the world's coming to an end. So for me coming out of the gate, I was gonna start my own company. Anyway, it was like, okay. All of a sudden, all this fresh talent came into place. Like we never would have gotten Natalie, who's the CFO of Douglas Elliman for seven years. Did not realize that that's where she came from. Yeah, man. And she ran finance for Compass. Like she, you know, has been around the block. I, I, she she would never been able to leave, mm-hmm. but COVID helped out. So a lot of our first hires, you know, COVID, COVID you know, really, really helped. Same thing, like I was prepared to launch this business on July 1st of 2020. And it was a different world then in 2020 like the riots had just happened right it was a bad dark time uh in the united states specifically and in new york city there was you know every building was boarded up it was was like you know what we're gonna we're gonna give this a few we're gonna give this two and a half months and that gave us an extra two and a half months to really like really bake the business and, and find even more people and then we we started Hiring from there
0: when you started up, uh, was this all self-funded yes. Ryan only, or did you have a yes. partner? No, no partners, no partners.
1: The last thing I wanted was a partner. I would rather take all the risk, all the risk, right. And have like everything weigh on my shoulders than have to potentially like deal with someone
0: who does not agree with me. So looking back, you wouldn't do anything differently. No, I mean, well, what would, there has to be something in the last three years. Oops. Yep. What would you have done differently? Like, are you happy with this office? Is this location good for you? Yeah, this location is great for us. Do you think it's big enough? What are we in 3,400 square feet here? Or 30, 34,000 square feet? 15,000. The whole building 15,000 square uh, it feet. it feels bigger.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> yes. Four um, floors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would say what I would have done differently. Um, I, you know, I probably would have just focused more you know, like as um, like once you start running your own business, all of a sudden you wear a hundred hats, and like a whole week will go by where you like are working on putting out fires over here, and you totally forgot about everything that you were doing over here, and that's like I didn't really realize that that's what I was doing until it had already been done.
0: So would you say the issue was focus or not properly delegating? Well, we just didn't have enough people to delegate
1: to because remember I. We're self-funded, so it's not like I had a billion dollars in the bank and was like, "All right, we'll just we'll spend to fix our problems. We'll just hire, right?"
0: Whatever other companies do.
1: Correct. Yeah. And and, dude, dude, if someone gave me a billion dollars today, I would do the same thing. (laughs) Like I would, you know, like you can't hate the player, you know, you gotta hate the game and. um, if the directive is spend money, take market share, then dude, I am a money spending market share stealing guy. Like if that's the business. But I think with me, we didn't have that. So it was, how do you build a good business, right? That is profitable in great markets and in bad markets. How do you build a business that can pivot, that can that can move quickly to the benefit of the agents? And I think that, I don't know, I probably would have also gone even harder on like the benefit for agents to be here. Um, uh, whereas in the beginning, I, I spent so much time on like a lot of the, I don't know, just like a lot of the
0: busy work and a lot of the stuff. I you respect know? that, yeah. like, especially in real estate, as brokers, this is, this is what we do. And like a lot of team leaders, I mean, I didn't have a team until a year ago yeah. because I just did everything on my own. I brought in all my own content creators I produced everything, yeah. and then just having a team, and that's big reason why I came to Sirhan, because it aligned with my business perfectly. Yes, being able to have an in-house media company. Yeah, being able to have uh, a smaller group of highly, um, a smaller group of highly producing professionals. Sure, who are ready to fucking rock. Yeah, yeah. So that's what you're doing now. Yes. How'd you get started? I mean, let's avoid the, the chat GPT Google response. What made you come to New York? Yep. And we know the story of how you got into rentals. Yeah, but
1: yeah, I came to New York. I went to college in upstate New York. Um, By way of H- Hamilton College. No, where'd you uh, grow up? Oh, outside Boston, outside Boston. Yeah, um, I was born in Texas, bounced around Long Island a little bit and then really kind of grew up in North Shore. Of Boston. Where in Long Island. Oyster Bay and Lloyd Neck. Um, and then grew up outside Boston. That's right where I went to, you know, uh, high school, and then went to college in upstate New York. And the only thing I ever really liked was like was acting, was theater, right? Was was making movies with my friends. Like it was just what I was passionate about. And um, L. A. was just too far. Like my parents were East Coast, my friends were East Coast, everything I knew was East Coast, and I was nervous too. It's like if I go to L. A. and I know nobody, like what what do i what do i do at least if i'm in new york all my friends from college moved to new york city my parents are like four hours away and you know uh, where they were um uh, i could figure it out right and i was used to it like i'd been to new york multiple times by that point like i'd never even been to la in my life um and so after college i basically said okay i'm gonna give myself two years right two years live off my summer work savings my grandfather had died and I think left me 20 grand or something and put that in a CD, you know, and um, uh, just said, I'm just gonna live as efficiently and as tight as I possibly can, live in the smallest, shittiest apartment. I'm gonna make this money stretch as long as I possibly can. That way I don't have to get like a bartending job or a waiting job or like a temp job, like a lot of people mm-hmm. do. And I'm just gonna just be relentless all day, every day. As a? As an actor, like just go and, I was, so I was at auditions, Did classes, you have representation? Um, I did eventually, because I eventually got onto a soap opera. Um, and what I year was this? 2007, so it was, yeah, because 2007 um, and then the writer's strike hit, back in the day if you remember like The Daily Show went off air and all that stuff mm-hmm. um, and all the shows went down and it killed soap operas because soap operas have to shoot an episode and a half every day Jesus. and so they started cutting costs and to cut costs on a soap opera you, you fire actors. And so I went from being like this awesome biochemist prodigy to uh, killing everybody and then dying. <laughs> and so then I died um, and then it was like, what do I do? I hand model a little bit. And I just kept trying to like push my time in New York. So my parents were very much like, hey, you get it out of your system yet? You hand modeled? Yeah, yeah, successfully. Very, very
0: Costanza of you.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you Google Ryan Surhan hand model, it is a trip. Um, uh, dude, hand modeling paid way more than, than acting did for me. <laughs> Like the soap opera was 844 bucks an episode, um, which after taxes and everything, after I just I drew it myself, but after taxes and everything, were, you know it's like 530 dollars a day, you know, to do like kind of like your SAG rate on a you know for a for a recurring role. um, uh, I get 150 bucks an hour cash to hand model, and so you do a 10-hour day, and I'd make a thousand, you know, you'd make between a thousand and uh, fifteen hundred bucks. It's great, right? Which is great, and then you didn't have to worry about taxes for a year, <laughs> because you're ten ninety nine. and that was awesome. I was like, this is great. And so I held phones for AT and I held Nespresso capsules. I was Michael Phelps's hands after he won the Olympics. Like, <laughs> dude, I did a lot of handiwork. Um, and that's that, funny
0: because you're tall.
1: Yeah, you're a tall, handsome guy. You no, know, the modeling was terrible for me. I was, but like, you the worst were model a ever. hand model. Yeah, no, the, dude, I was. I, I modeled the most modeling I ever did, like face and body, was for Damon John's company Fubu. I was like, how does that even make sense, dude? I was like the white guy, <laughs> so, like in a. I was. I was definitely um, uh, out of my lane.
0: Are these pictures Googleable?
1: I don't know. You know what? Uh, I've never found them. I, did, I think I did one catalog
0: do where it
1: was like, hey, are you a preppy white guy? And you wanna be cool, wear FUBU. Um, and the clothes were massive on me, you know? <laughs> I remember because we shot the photo studio for that was in the Empire State Building and I'll never forget that because it was the most uncomfortable I've ever been. Um, I just didn't know, like, why, like, that's one of those moments where you're like, what do I do with my legs? So, like, Where do I put my hands? How do I do this? Hand modeling is great. They would flip me upside down. <laughs> Um, uh, and I would, you know, cause again, I guess, I guess just like technology has gotten so much better now with Photoshop and everything, but you know, this was 2007, 2008, even 2009 when I was in real estate, I was still hand modeling. Um, and they'd flip you upside down and you'd have to hold your hands out above you for extended periods of time. Um, uh, so that they could photograph them seamlessly, right? Mm-hmm. So that the camera could be like this and you got to put your hands up in front. Um, uh, and so that you would drain all the blood out of your hands and your arms to remove all the veins. And so the cleaner your hands look, the more androgynous they look and the more it could be like, oh, that's not a dude's hands holding that iPhone. That's just nice hands. And so it's been a lot of time like hanging like Smart. this. Like, well, dude, and then they'd be like, please move your left pinky <laughs> metatarsal. And I'd be like, God the finger. And it would, then you start cramping. Dude, it was hard, man. It was hard. Yeah, it was good pay. Yeah, it was good pay. pay. Um, Couldn't do it forever. And so then in the summer of 2008, a friend of mine was just like, you can't hand model for the rest of your life. You just got killed off that soap opera. You either move home with your parents, who by that point had moved to Colorado, or you stay in New York City and you should do acting is sales. You should just get into real estate. Get your real estate license, rent apartments, meet people on Craigslist. You don't have to do much. If you rent one apartment
0: a month, two apartments a month, you pay all your bills. And back then, you wake up in the morning, put up some Craigslist posts. Just imagine you say hot, hot, hot,
1: hot, hot. Right, right, one month free, two months free. You meet people on corners, you meet them at Starbucks. You take them to like rental buildings that were paying OPs Mm -hmm. and all that fun stuff. Um, And that's what I did for my first like couple years. And then you slowly get addicted to it versus the acting, which is where you go and sit in an audition and you wait for like four hours to get seen. And then by the time they see you, like they've already made their choice, but they're just going to be nice to you, and you go in there, and then it's weird, and then they're drinking coffee and slurping, and then one guy burps, and then they're on their phone the whole time, and then you're like, "Great, I spent my my day was just this." Sounds very defeating. Super defeating. Tons and tons of rejection. That's personal, like because of your face, you know, and your voice, and like we don't like your hair, kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, whereas in in real estate, like. You know, there was definitely rejection and it could be defeating, but it was over the real estate, you know, which was much easier rejection for me. Like no one ever came to me and said, hey, we were going to lease that apartment at the Echelon, you know, on West 21st Street, which is a building that opened when I first started. And um, uh, but, you know, your nose is too weird. So sorry, we went with another agent.
0: So would you say that this period in time might have been your, your rock bottom moment? Like when two thousand eight, not because not because of Lehman Brothers. Two thousand eight, because I just ran out of money being in New York City,
1: and then I had I had no identity. Like if I wasn't trying to be an actor, which I tried to do for so long, and now I'm just gonna prolong my stay in New York by being a realtor. Like who am I? What like what am I? What do I? What did your parents say? They were. And they're in Colorado at this time. Correct. So they were supportive um uh but
0: probably very like just nervous were they supportive with a deadline like hey if you don't do x by y then you got to come home and figure it out yeah that was the two years okay right so that was the two years like you can always come home i was never gonna be
1: homeless right so um i could always go home but that to me meant like mass failure like if i can't figure this out because then i knew i was going to move to colorado i'd move home and i would never come back like i had tons of friends and people i met in theater and everything who you know, didn't make money for a couple months and they just moved home to like save up, mm-hmm. never came back. It's way too hard, you never do it. Like you can't have a get up and go attitude twice. Like what, what got you here, like it's, it's not gonna get you here twice um, and so, you know, my parents are supportive and then I was able to buy time with the real estate thing and then I think like as I started doing more rental deals and started making a little bit more money, you know, even though my first year I made like nine grand, but my second year I made like 50. You know, okay. like 50 grand, something Working like that. Working where? Just doing rentals in Koreatown. Well, what, uh, uh, which company
0: were you with? Nest Seekers. Oh. I was always at the same place. Oh. Yeah. You had longevity there. 12 years, baby. Yeah. Wow.
1: Because what was I, what was, I was never, I was never, for me, well one, I didn't take it seriously at the beginning. So it wasn't like a, I was way too intimidated to go to like a big
0: firm. With like agents that wore suits and so what would you wear estate? to listings like i remember i, so I started summer 2009 yeah and i remember going to show a building on 56 and first and i remember showing up to the appointment in sandals and a backwards hat that said shit on it yeah that wasn't me i wore like
1: <laughs> you know like i you know khaki <laughs> pants you know tucked in collared shirt you know cowboy boots or loafers kind of thing I like think I had like one suit that i gotten from
0: Macy's that I just wore a lot. And are you at this time, you're like, I'm gonna play the part, because I'm an actor. Kind so of. I'm gonna, I know how to play a real estate agent. And if I do it every day, I'm gonna become a real estate agent.
1: It. In hindsight, yes. At the time, no, at the time I was just like, I have to make money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you better rent this damn apartment, right? And then how long does it take to get paid? I have to submit an invoice? How does this work? I have to run your credit? How do I even do that? Like you're just learning through the process, but it wasn't until um, uh, this woman from China. So what I so what I would do it. I was I would put rental ads on Craigslist, but then back then you could have whatever title you wanted in this business. So like I just called myself I think you know a senior vice president because you could. There was no issues. They've now changed that um, probably for the better. <laughs> but I was a senior vice president. You know I was 23, I guess. Um, twenty three, twenty four. So next
0: to your headshot, it said senior vice president. Yep. Next to a 20, 25-year-old?
1: Yeah, I guess in 2008, yeah, I turned 20, I turned 24, right? So, um, yeah, so I was 24, 25, and um, yeah, so I was senior vice president. Uh, dude, there was people that worked at that company that were, like, global president of sales and, like just random shit that just didn't mean anything. No. But then you could also post like open listings and fake listings back then. Like you can't do that anymore. Right. But back then, like you know, I would find photos of, you know, just random apartments on the Upper West Side and I would post them at random prices just to see if you can get leads. You know, there was no there's no Zillow, like there's no premier agent, there was no Zillow leads that way. So it was either you had a network, you met people on the street or you did open listings kind of that way. And so uh, uh, one apartment that I posted, I think was photos of an apartment in Chicago. And I said it was on the West side. What? Yep. Um, and a woman called from China.
0: Where did you even grab, I just, where did you even just grab go- photos? I just Googled just it Googled. and I was like,
1: "This is beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful interiors. Um, and a woman from China reached out. It, and again, this is not me being like sleazy or, or scammy. This was this is what I was trained to do.
0: Right. This is I and I was trained the exact same way back. So I started yeah, was, when was I was. Spoiler room. I started in two thousand nine. It was the same thing. Wake up. Put up twelve ads with catchy titles. Yeah, yeah. That's and like do. exciting pictures. Yep. And just get the phone numbers. Get the emails. And you book an appointment, no matter yeah. what. If, no matter what they want to see you'd have
1: no idea what they were saying on the phone yep. you're like all right we're going to meet at this corner 42nd and first avenue at noon i'll see you there and then you just figure it out yeah right and so this one woman from china reached out that said she wanted to buy an apartment in, in on the west side and she she reached out to me because to buy to buy an apartment correct to buy an apartment and she um uh, uh reached out Actually, to me because i was a senior vice president at the company <laughs> right and i said great awesome And my gut instinct in that moment was immediately to pass her off just because I had no idea. Like, how do I sell an apartment? It can't be that hard, but like I had never done it before. And I had total imposter syndrome, especially this woman from China.
0: 100%.
1: It's crazy. And uh, there was no one else in the office at the time. So I just sort of winged it. I was like, sure, I'll send you options. And she was very responsive and going back and forth. And then she made the decision that she wanted to fly to New York and see them. And I was like, holy shit. And at that point, I was like, wait a minute. No one else has helped me yet. I've managed this whole conversation completely by myself. I now have a, a, a woman from China flying in to meet with me to buy a, a potentially multi-million dollar apartment. She said her budget was between two and three million dollars.
0: Right, so your communication with her at this point, you know. at this email, right, because there's no FaceTime. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Any bit of that was just on Skype.
1: Yeah, she just saw my head shots. So yeah. She knew I was young, but she didn't know I was like young, young.
0: No, she knew you had a great title though. Yeah, You were responsible.
1: Title. Yeah, was hustler, right? Um, and so, you know, and no one else in my office would help me, even with like little things cause they were all just too busy. And at that moment I was like, okay, if some random woman from China is going to email me cold and come to New York and potentially spend two to $3 million with me, imagine what would happen if I like actually tried to get women like her, get buyers like her, get clients like her in New York, even imagine what would happen. Um, And I got myself a new suit on a credit card. I got myself a car and driver on a credit card. Totally freaked myself out, but I was like, I gotta give her the Rolls Royce treatment um, uh, if she buys. And um, I memorized all the information about every building I was gonna take take her to. Oh, by the way, she said she wanted to buy an apartment on the west side. Um, This was early 2009, so I just got into it. On the west side of Manhattan for her daughter who wasn't even born yet because her daughter was gonna go to Columbia.
0: What kind of suit did you buy? I think it was like a, I don't know, like
1: some random suit from, again, from Macy's. I lived at, I lived at 38 West 31st You're Street. right there. So I was right across the street from Macy's. Anything I needed, dude, this is, again, pre-buy everything on Amazon. Yeah. Like, I was like, dude, I gotta be close to Macy's. <laughs> like anything I need is right there. So she comes in. She flies in, she's in a velour tracksuit, staying at the St. Regis Hotel um, in Midtown. I pick her up. She's she was by solo. herself, solo, okay. by herself, pregnant. The little, little lady gets in the car, um, immediately falls asleep from jet lag. And I would have to like nudge her, be like, hello, uh, we're at the next building now, and walk her through all these buildings. And the one building where she walked in and her eyes lit up and she was excited was at 80 Riverside Boulevard, apartment 21L, um, and it was the first multi multi-million-dollar apartment that we sold and we did that deal at like two in the morning cause that's when she was most awake. I brought her like McDonald's, oh my God. you know, and we negotiated and the commission was like plus, I mean, I guess the gross commission was like 60,000. So after my splits and everything, um, it was less, right? I think, cause I also, Anyway, it gets complicated, but I think my, my my check. I think at the end of the day on that deal, I guess after like the net effective gross commission, I think it was like twenty four twenty five thousand dollars, and it was the biggest check I'd ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, like it was like models and bottles money, you know. I like I like I held it in two hands and took it to the bank, you know, and and took when it finally closed and I finally deposited it, and that was you know my rent was eleven hundred bucks a month, so that was that was two
0: years of rent that I just put to the bank when you close that deal, who's the first person you called? Dad. Yeah. Do you remember what you said? Yeah, I think it was, I'm
1: rich. <laughs> 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 Something <laughs> like that. And I, I, he was quick to correct
0: me. Um, and but then he was like, you, you got, got this. Like, you're not rich, rich but you got, got a thing yeah, I think he was
1: also, uh, he knew what my rent was. He knew what my expenses were. I think they were like a little bit of a sigh of relief of like, "Okay," and were you just lucky at that? Or like, is this something that you're going to be able to do? And what he said to me um, was, was kind of what I was just saying, which is, okay, imagine if you actually tried. And like, look at the street of New York City. Every single person here is that woman, except they're not looking for you. What happens when you start to look for them? And that, like, that really, in early 2009, had me set on, okay, um, I, think I, I think I know what to do. I, I have to build a personal brand for myself. People need to know that I sell real estate. I'm not from here. I don't fit in whatsoever, but I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make this happen. And then just started running from there.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. Do you remember what your second deal was? I guess more so, better question. You said, I can do this now here. Yep. How quickly did you? Uh,
1: not that quickly. I mean, that was my second year and so that, I, didn't, I didn't make that much money. Um, did that one. Then I did an apartment at 350 West 42nd Street, the Orion, which is an Extel building. And then I met these renters and I convinced them to sell their place. It was like 600 grand at Sterling Plaza, which is on East 49th Street. And then they bought a place with me. So it was my first like, hey, sell by. Which I thought was awesome because it was basically like one client relationship and two deals. Yep. And they bought a place at the Atelier um, at six thirty-five West Forty-second Street. And then from there, I saw that there were agents who were killing it in Long Island City, because again, we're in like the middle of the recession. Like you know, but markets are blown up. Everyone's also getting fired. I was meeting a lot of people that were also getting fired all the time. Got it. Right. There was mass layoffs and everything. So I was I was still doing rentals. Probably but what were the people who were getting fired doing? Banking. Got it. Right. But, but like, what were
0: you meeting them for? To like,
1: potentially buy or sell stuff. Got it. And I was still posting open listings. Like, I didn't have my own listing. My first real listing was at 401 East 60th Street. I think it was apartment 32 C. It was designed by Jamie Drake. It was insane. It was $3 million. Um, I don't even remember how we found, I think they were like a FISBO that we converted. I don't know why they ever trusted us. And it was like a one month agreement and we definitely did not sell it. No. <laughs> it was so expensive. Um, it sold by, someone else sold it later on. But then I, so, so then I started doing Long Island City and because I saw that, you know, I would meet a buyer on the Upper East side, right? And then they would want the Upper West. And then they'd say, what about Gramercy? That's cool. And then they'd say, my friend just bought something in the financial district. Those buildings have a lot of amenities. Can we see there? And then they'd say, should I look at Brooklyn? And then they would get fired or rent, right. right. or like go do something with somebody else. And that and would be like months, that. right? So I'm like, okay, so that's not great. Long Island City, I can meet somebody and there's only five buildings to choose from. And most people that I would meet in Long Island City you know, in that part of Queens, um, they weren't going between like LIC and Central Park. Like they could only afford Long Island City. You know, and the deals were basically 500,000 to $900,000. And you would meet them on the corner of, you know, you meet them basically like right there on Vernon Boulevard and you just take them to five buildings and they would pick one if they wanted to buy. And, and how are
0: you, you getting get these? Craigslist, lists? all Craigslist. Sellers or renters? Buyers, or buyers, buy, buyers. Buyers or buyers? Buyers all through Craigslist. You were getting buyers from Craigslist? Yeah. Huh.
1: Yeah. And so I would take them to the View at East Coast. I'd take them to Hunter's Point, Hunter's View, Powerhouse, L House, and 5SL. So there were six City Lights? of the City Lights, old co-ops. I didn't do a whole lot at Got City it. Lights. And some and one another broker that I knew was like, never do co-ops. You know, you do all that work, and then the board will reject your client because of their race. I'm like, oh, God, that sounds, like te- that sounds terrible. I don't want to do that. Um, so I'd only take people to, like, new construction condos. And I really learned, like, how to do the tours that way, like, how to, you know, how to structure my day that way, how to have discipline that way, how to talk about different buildings that way. Um, and from there, I, you know, I, was, I got noticed by uh, the Alganians of, at that time, Rock Rose, uh, and started working on sales at a building called the View at East Coast, which is forty seven thirty Centre Boulevard. And then from there they were like, We want you guys to also take on sales for our building that we have in the financial district called ninety nine John Street, mm-hmm. four hundred and forty two units, rental to condo conversion. The market was total shit. No one was buying anything, you couldn't get financing. And so I interviewed to do that and they they picked me and so I went there and started doing wow. And so I was, became like the sales director for this massive conversion building.
0: And this was was 25, 25. Yeah.
1: And so I, uh, uh, and so that was the end of 2009 leading into 2010. Million dollar listing casting happened in March of 2010. Um, That cast all the way through the fall as I'm selling 99 John all day long. And they cast us in the fall. And um, I started filming in December of 2010. And I even like I saw Tom Alganian, who's a beast. He's like, you know, the OG of this business in New York City. And every time I see him, I come up and give him like a massive hug. Like you you don't know what like you did for me.
0: He's the owner of Rock Rose. TF
1: Cornerstone now, because they split, right? right? The brothers all split. So um TF Cornerstone. <laughs> I think he's always like taken aback. It it's like, yeah, it's it's okay. It's okay, buddy. Um but uh, but yeah, man, fond memories back then, tough market though. Like it, it's it's wild. I think the, the best piece of advice I've gotten in a long time, especially like in volatile markets like this one that we're in now, where it's like, is it good? Is it bad? I don't know what's happening is this too shall pass. When things are too good, it's not going to last forever. When things are bad and you're like, I hate this business. I This week is awful. I hate this. I hate this. It's also not going to last. Like everything comes to an end.
0: And I've noticed now this is, 23 24 25 year old you over a decade later you still have the same principles now that you did then more so looking at having the principles then where proper preparation yeah you speak about always not being nervous because you're properly prepared yeah was that something that your father instilled in you
1: a little bit him but I I I think um, a lot bit acting like the actor's nightmare that you have is that you don't know your lines. And so I didn't really know how to go into situations without being prepared. And memorizing my lines for an audition or for a play or for a student film at NYU even um, was was much harder than memorizing generic bullet point facts about any building. So all I knew how to do was then, okay, I'm gonna show you this listing that I have at 250 East 49th Street. um, And then I'm gonna show you four other buildings nearby I'm just gonna memorize everything I can. Like, who developed it? When was it built? How many units are in the building? What are the resales right now? What are the comps right now? Um, uh, any celebrities living there? Anything cool happening? What should I know? How many coffee shops are there? How many restaurants are there? Where's the dog park? Like, all this stuff. Compared to memorizing a book of dialogue,
0: So when you do way that, easier. when you're looking at a condo, are you now taking all the info, putting it in a Word doc, and rehearsing it to I would write, yourself? Yeah, I'd write it by hand. You'd write it by hand, and then you're going through it. Yeah, like just memorizing lines. I've always had the, the theater thing for
1: me was from when I was a little kid, so I can memorize short-term info pretty quick. Like it's definitely a skill set you can learn. Because I, I don't I don't think I was always good at it, but I can I, I can like look at something, understand it pretty quickly, and then repeat it. Tomorrow I would have no idea. So like that frontal cortex is is definitely very strong, but like the long-term memory tends
0: to move out of the way. Favorite role you ever played?
1: Um. You know, Ryan Serhant on Million Dollar Listing New York—that was probably my favorite role because that was like me on crack. Favorite fully scripted yeah, role yeah, you've yeah. ever played? Ryan Serhant on Million Dollar Listing. No, favorite scripted role? I would say. Um, you ever do Grease? I yeah, but it's like one of the side dancers. I could you was like duty. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yes. You're a duty. I could be. I could be a duty. Um, uh, I did. I played Stanley Kowalski in A Streetcar Named Desire um and that was probably like a very intense i don't know that was just such a cool time because you had like dude like if i knew then what i knew now i would have told myself just to chill like just relax i think it was like a very stressed out well you're saying it like that back then there wasn't there wasn't even social media i know i know but i I, I put a lot of pressure on myself you know, I still do that now. So maybe it's just a character trait that I never get out of. Like, even if seventy-year-old Ryan Sirhan walked through that door right now and was like, "Chill out, everything's gonna be fine," I would be like, "Go fuck yourself, old man!" Like, what are you talking about? You're not me. Like, you know, I'd be even more stressed. Like, that's what I'm gonna look like? Oh, oh, I have to take care of myself. Oh God! I saw a future me, and I was not impressed. Um, but yeah, memorizing was was helpful, and that's how I would like beat the internet. And because I, I would see a lot of agents who would like. Mumble through showings. And like clients would ask them generic questions and they would, they just wouldn't know the answer. Like, that's so easy. Like, how can you just, how do you just not know the answer? And then all you'd have to do is figure out an opinion, like have an opinion on the facts. And then that's how you build trust. Also, start telling people no. Like, every time, if I would show you three apartments or 10 apartments, I find one or two that I'm gonna show you where the minute we get out of there, I'm like, you are definitely not renting that. You are not buying that and it was always it was like the greatest sales tactic ever because people were like really, but I, I liked it. And like if you want it, let's talk about the pros and cons, but I here are the reasons that I, I don't like it for you, you know, and they would always be like, oh, thank you. Thank you. I didn't even realize and that. would you
0: always bookend it like this is not for you, but here, here's why and here's something that you're going to love
1: I sometimes sometimes depending on the, depending on the client. Um, uh, I, would, I would try to be careful with, with phrasing things that way because it would feel like I set them up, right? And, and it'd be like, and now I'm gonna take you to this one where I make more money. Right. So I would just, I would walk in, I would basically set it up like, yeah. okay, we're gonna see eight apartments. Um, they're all awesome. We're not wasting our time, let's go. And then I would be, I would be surprised, like going in one and they, I would see their look on their face if like, they were like, yeah, and I would be like, no, oh, we should go. I'd walk out and be like, sorry, sorry. Uh, that sucks, let's leave, you know? Um, that way when we both found something that like she liked as well, and I would see their eyes, I'd be like, I know, I know, keep it calm, be calm, be calm, it's fine. Right, and we get outside and we're like, all right, let's talk about it. You know, and start closing, wow. start closing early, yeah. Right? And then I would do the wow moment. The wow moment in showings is where like the first, the, one of the first apartments that I would show someone is like 10 times outside their budget. You know, something massive, just to like wow them, to bring them back down to reality which I always found, saved me tons of time. But
0: But did it bother some people? Like, why are you showing me this? No,
1: I I would never do it if it was like an unbelievable waste of time. I wasn't like, hey, I know you wanna see the Upper East Side, all right, come downtown with me for an hour.
0: Or if it was an absorbent amount more than what they're looking
1: at. Yeah, although I did do that one time with a house that's up there on the wall in Palm Beach in 2021. He told me his budget was 20 to 50 million, which is a lot, and the first house I showed him was 140, and that's the one he bought. Jesus and that's how we opened the firm no we were open already (laughs) exactly uh we were open already um but that was a great investment into the business that that's for sure but he also um uh that was a wow moment and he asked me he's like why did you bring me here and i was immediately like i'm sorry we just had time on the schedule the next house we're seeing is right down the block he's like but i want it yeah and then my gut instinct was no you do not want this this is not what we can go get your wife out of the closet. We're getting in the car. We're oh, getting out of here. Like just play the note. Because if I was like, awesome, let's do it, let's write up an offer, then he probably changes his mind, right? Everybody, whether you're a billionaire or you have four dollars, everyone wants what they can't have. They all wanna feel like there's someone else who wants it. Right. right? So
0: I'm gonna go get something for 50 million. Someone else is buying this?
1: yeah fuck that exactly this is mine i do that I, I took him, the next place was like 53 million dollars <laughs> and i think like he vomited think about what we're talking, talking about but it's all relative 50 yeah, you're right It's all relative yeah i i, I hear like you. 53 million dollars yeah is insane dude i it's exactly but it's um uh but listen it was great value um it's an amazing house like it's not gonna no one's ever gonna rebuild it you know so still kind of relatively a great deal Um, so there were great purchases that we were doing through Florida in 2021 and 2022. Um, you know, and it's, you know, Florida is a pro-business, pro-development state, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and a lot of those New Yorkers that came down, uh, used New York tax money. Whatever money they were going to give to the New York government, like the 15% all in basically, they'd say, okay, I'm going to go buy myself a beach house instead. I do not need to be here anymore.
0: (laughs) That's... New York's lost. Now it works out that we have a presence down there. Yeah. As of yesterday. <laughs> so speaking of having a presence. Yeah. Three weeks ago when I first started here, we had our initial meeting. Yeah, a protocol meeting. Yep. So you have a meeting with everybody. Now you walked in the room and I don't know why I got I got well no I got nervous with off me? the bat with you. Huh. I got nervous. Yeah. And I prepared, I had You did prepare. You had a whole presentation. I had had an awesome presentation. Yeah. That I knew was going to make your head explode. Yeah. But instinctively, instinctively, initially, I froze up and I was like, how'd you get a million dollar listing? Not that I don't give a shit, but like, I didn't really care how you got a million dollar listing. I could have Googled it. We could have talked about that at any time in my head. Now you're talking and I'm like tick 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 I know we have 30 minutes 27 minutes 22 minutes and I'm like don't interrupt him when can we stop and get to the pitch <laughs> now you should have interrupted me dude i didn't just so you know like that didn't read to me whatsoever 100% so what I what I want to ask is you have these protocol meetings with everybody that joins the firm
1: yeah
0: kind of in my head i also was thinking the first time not that you gave this impression but i only have 30 minutes He's just doing this because it's protocol. He doesn't actually care. Do you care? 100% I care. Why? Yeah,
1: Because I think it's a big risk. I mean, I don't think it's a risk, really, because I know that I'll take care of everybody. But I also, I get it. Like, every agent who comes here has a thousand options. Start your own company, go to this brokerage, go to that brokerage, do whatever you want. You don't have to come here. Like, you don't have to work here. You don't have to deal with me and our stuff. And like, there's... So many places for you to work, like I am I am very, very, very grateful and super excited for everyone who chooses to hang their hat here. Um, and so if I, if I had the time during the day to have hour or two hour long meetings, like I, I totally would, you know. And as we get to know each other, we'll spend a lot more time together. But at least like in that first kind of 10 day window, I like to at least make sure like let's have a high efficiency, like sit down. Like, no matter what my schedule is, no matter where I am, like, I make time for agents first. Because I'm a, I'm a real estate agent at the end of the day, less and less now, but I'm a real estate agent. This whole company was built by agents, for agents, for what agents want in 2023 and beyond. This is not like a fundraise. hey, what do we think agents need? We're going to disrupt the real estate game and mm-hmm. then lose all our money.
0: No, we're doing it's stuff that, that doing. no other firm could do. Like literally yeah, they could do
1: it, but it would, but it would be false. So like, you know, um, uh, every other firm could dude. there's a, man, well, no firm element has, has $200 million in cash. They could hire a studio,
0: but it would be, false. they could exactly. Yeah, right? It would, it would be, it would be like, and one yeah. making yes. basketball sneakers. Sure. <laughs> yeah, sure.
1: Yeah. It would be, it would be off brand. Yes, Right. The same way, like, I don't know, you know, we, I'm trying to think of what other company. Like, if all, I all of a sudden was like, you know what? I, I love what Sotheby's and Christie's do. I'm going to set up a, an art auction house here. It'd be, it'd be called like Sir Hant's, I don't even know, Sir Auction House. Like, could I do it? Sir sure. Han art, whatever. Yeah. Could I do it? Yes. Would it be false, inauthentic to our brand? 100%. So, like, why would I enter that world? And so, like, I knew what my value add was going to be for every agent that was ever going to be here and I just said listen let's just go hard on that. My value add is not going to be in having cubicles and bench desk seating all over the place and it's not going to be in this and it's not going to be in that. Um, uh, uh, I want to help every agent and every team build their own brands to help generate more business to make more money for the rest of their lives. right? I want to work hand in hand in them and do deals together and go on and take on the universe and that's going to be our thing. Let's see if it works.
0: I love that. Now, give me one word of advice to anyone, anyone trying to make it in New York. In New York, um, uh, one word, One word.
1: this is one word with a hyphen, okay, which is just follow up. Like Follow up is the secret. Like I, that's it, like just follow up, follow up, follow up, follow up. Yeah. Like follow up forever. Follow up is what I've, I will say all the time. Even to buyers who are like, you don't have to email me as much. I'm like, I, I follow up with you till you buy or die, just so you know. And then when you do die, I will mourn you and cry, and I will come to your funeral, and I will sell houses to your entire family. Right? Love that. Yeah, and I tell them like to their face. It's kind of funny when I say it, but it, I'm also dead serious. I'm like, So I got to be close enough to you that like your family invites me to your funeral, yeah.
0: you know? I, uh, I actually had a buddy hit me up last week Hey, this house is coming available in my development that I want to purchase. Can we find out who the broker is? Yeah. Ends up, the deceased put a broker in his will. Oh. The deceased put this broker is going to sell my house. Really? In the will. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, and before I let you go, uh, one book recommendation for anybody. A book? What are you reading right now? Are you reading right now? Do you have time to read? Dude, I don't know. I wish
1: I like. I always try to make the effort to read, um, and then I just don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, one book recommendation is probably "Never Eat Alone" by Keith Ferrazzi. Um, it is probably the best networking and marketing book I've 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 ever read. Next to that, if I give you a second one, would be "The Fall of Advertising and the Rise of PR." which for anyone out there who's in sales, should read that book. So the first book is about like, don't ever do anything by yourself. If you're gonna fly in an airplane, make sure you meet the person to your left, person to your right, you never know, right? If you're gonna go have lunch, have lunch with a coworker, have lunch with a staff member, have lunch with the person sitting next to you, get to know them. Like that's what life is all about. You will quadruple your business that way. And then the second book, The Fall of Advertising and the Rise of PR is all about like push and pull marketing, like advertising you're pushing your message you know, PR is you're pulling people into your story. And that's very much like what we do here, right? That's what you're doing right now. Like you're, this is brand development, you know, you've got the hat doing the thing, Um, you're doing the podcast and this isn't an ad, right? You're giving people entertainment in exchange for brand awareness, which is PR. Um, And it's how you sell this these days, I think. Thanks for having me. Thanks for your time.